This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you like the great outdoors? Are you or are you looking to be a master bow hunter, king of the hill in archery? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bow Hunter Planet. It's the Bow Hunter Planet podcast, recorded live in the BHP Studios, Detroit, Michigan, with your host, Team BHP. The Bow Hunter Planet Podcast is proudly presented by Vanguard Outdoors, Rax Inc., and Crossman Air Rifles. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Bow Hunter Planet Podcast. My name is Chris Schnur. I'm here joined with Tim Ashley Schnur, and our special guest today is Dan Yassa from PSE. Whoop, whoop. Oh, yeah. So, we're going to have an interesting conversation. So, Dan and I were talking a little while ago about. Um, about target archery and bow hunting ever since i started doing some work with you guys we wanted to find a way to kind of integrate the two like like how do you actually do that because like a lot of the videos we've we've done and a lot of the conversations we've had you guys glaze over half the time when i start talking i don't even know what target archery is see there you go (laughs) (laughs) but we deal with that a lot but one of the conversations that we just recently had was about about how target archery can actually make you better as a bow hunter, so I guess what what what's your thoughts on that, Dan? What 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 was fill us in a little bit on our conversation and your thoughts on that? Well, just, we talked about how target archery teaches people what exactly a good shot is, and if you make mistakes, you're able to identify the mistakes. And once you start shooting target archery more, your mistakes start getting smaller and smaller. Like mm-hmm. your bigger mistakes are smaller than they were whenever you started. Absolutely. So I got I have to imagine that that you know consistency right because you're you're out more shooting more you're not just practicing months before you know the you know opener or anything like that um obviously technique too right absolutely so well it's not only that when you're competing you mad when a buck walks out your heart starts pumping and pounding and you're like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh oh my gosh and trying not to screw anything up you're staying on the line at vegas we're shooting for a hundred thousand dollars and we cannot miss if you miss once you're done so the feeling you get standing on the line at Vegas getting ready to shoot that first arrow is exactly the same feeling you get you when a buck to, walks out. You figure out how to how to shoot while you're scared. How to how to get in that zen moment. Absolutely. Well, not necessarily. It's how, figuring out how to shoot knowing knowing that your heart rate's going to be elevated, knowing you're going to be nervous, and know, knowing your body well enough to figure out how to shoot under that kind of pressure. So what do you do? I mean, in those moments, like, are you talking to yourself? Like I got this, or like what? What? What is your process in those moments? Process is the key, right there. So yeah. it's you, all the practice you do, getting ready for tournaments. You're developing and ingraining a process in your head and in your body. And when you get to the point where you're really, really nervous and you're in a stressful situation, it's having that process to lean on to know, have the confidence in yourself, knowing that if I follow this process, the result's going to be what I want it to be. You understand your shot better. Yeah, absolutely. 
So like the funny thing, like I, I'll be the first to admit, I am not a not a huge bow hunter. I haven't killed gigantic bucks. I haven't gone and done that. Now, Dan, I know you have. I've seen some of the mounts that you've got at your place right now, and I probably would feel probably ten times worse than I feel when I feel in Vegas shooting one of those. But it's the same thought process. I mean, day one is probably where we drop most people okay. out of the tournament right away. Day one and the last five ends of day three. <laughs> yep, and the last five ends of day three. So, I mean, and, and a lot of the conversations that we have, because both you and me and, and Ashley as well, we all shoot in the pro class, one of the conversations that you typically hear going into day two of Vegas um, is, how the heck do we practice for this? Right. I mean, that, that's the hard right. thing. And, and that's the same same question right. as a bow hunter. Until you you're in that moment, yeah. you're, you, you basically have to work it out on the fly. Yeah, right. The more you put yourself in those situations, the more tournaments. I mean, even shooting a local tournament, you get you get some butterflies, and you've you've learned some things about yourself and your process that you have done. Just knowing that there are other people that are going to be seeing the scores you're shooting, right? And mm-hmm. you just even shooting little stuff like that will give you a glimpse of shooting under pressure and shooting under nerves. Nothing like Vegas is, but it, it gives you a glimpse of that. So the more you put yourself in that situation, like the first time you shoot a deer versus the 50th deer you've killed. Yeah. Mm. The difference between the two, you still may have that heart fluttering and getting nervous, but you handle it differently than you did the first time you did it. Is there a big difference between like outdoor indoor too? Indoor, like Vegas and indoor nationals is a little different mentally because those tournaments you cannot miss. There's you miss, you're done. There's no way you can win. I'll take that back. Yeah. Vegas, yeah. you can miss you can, one. You can miss you one, can and, miss still one win, but and still win. But the likelihood is very low. The nerves that you get indoors, I don't think there's anything that touches it. Outside, you can miss and make make it up. No one ever shoots. Up. A lot of times, no people yeah. shoot shoot perfect. But it's yeah. it's extraordinarily rare. Yeah, because of all the elements, the rain, the wind, the wind. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Now, is there is there different is there different? Um, well, I guess let me let me say this differently. Is there disadvantages like where you where you get so ingrained in a process or a technique that doesn't carry over into hunting or is it is is your process your technique your mindset pretty much identical to when you're in that moment hunting it carries over i mean it's say 95 percent of it probably carries over yeah i mean once obviously you're going to be doing things a little bit differently in a tree you're going to feel a little differently because you're tied in and got some other things to think about but the, right. from the moment you start pulling the string back to the moment the arrow's gone the process is basically the same. All the same. No, that's good. Now preparation is the weird part because this is the this is the one difference where you really get between target archery and bow hunting. What do you mean? So I work at a retailer, so I sell a ton of archery equipment leading up to bow hunter season, bow hunting season. Now mm-hmm. in my mindset, I've pretty much got my indoor setup and what I'm going to run with. January, February, then I'm done for the year. That that's going to carry out into, into indoors, finish out indoors, finish out outdoors. Bow hunting, I pretty much know what I'm going to be hunting with in March, and I've already got that bow kind of set up. Thoughts in my mind of what I'm going to be doing. I'm either practicing with that bow, I'm playing with that bow. Now, where I'm from on my side of the world, as far as the retail side, I sell more hunting bows in between September 15th and October 1st 
than I than I think I ever should. Yeah, that's like, crazy to me. Though. Yeah, I mean that that is absolutely crazy because mm-hmm. you have to have a feel. You have to mm-hmm. know your equipment going into it because I think it leads back to what you were talking about in regards to confidence, mm-hmm. right? That whole process. It, a lot of that has to do with the equipment, the feel, mm-hmm. how how you shoot that specific equipment, right? right? So, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a great point of you know when you buy when when you're doing that so close to when you're going out. Um, I don't know how you can be that confident. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it boggles my mind. I mean, I've had customers ask for me to cite their equipment in for them. That's always for a str- you to for me too. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I mean, you, you've you've That's... seen you've seen my shot. <laughs> you've seen my shot versus maybe Dave's shot versus Jamie's shot. I mean, they're completely different. Yeah, all three of us shoot different. Our peep height's going to be different. Our draw lengths are different. How do you not like? How, have you taught yourself not to roll your eyes? Like no. in front of customers? <laughs> no, it, it's, it's kind of a flaw of mine. Yeah, no, I, I get that a lot. Well, I, you remember that glazed overlook that we talked like, about earlier? Yeah, like, oh, I, get, I like love Like the are that. you serious? Well, I mean, the, it's... The are you serious annoyed look? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like we've never seen that one before. No, but, I mean, we get that. Like we, we get it, and I mean, and, and the best bet is to just try to explain to that customer. And I've, I've told people that come in September 15th, I hope you're preparing for next year. Right. I mean, I've flat out told people that. And I've, and I've right. took people into the range, had them shoot a bow, and been like, you know what, this is great. This bow's pretty much set up for you. Yeah. Plan to go out next year. Don't yeah. plan to go out this year. Well, and I think I think that's what, you know, a lot of us do around here and a lot of our, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the people that we know is that when you're switching to a different bow, you're either doing it really early on mm-hmm. or you're you're setting it up for that. It's for the next year. And you know, a lot of guys are like, "Man, I'm going to sell I'm going to sell this bow." And every time they say that, like, "I want to buy like they, they I'm going to go buy this one." Mm-hmm. They already have one set up. Every every comment that I always tell them is, "Don't sell the one that you have." Yeah. Because until you're ready to shoot that the one that you're buying consistently and mm-hmm. you're you're you have it all set up and you are comfortable with it, right. you need that one as a backup mm-hmm. at, at a very minimum. Right. Um, so no, I, I agree hundred percent. I mean, I just, it actually, I'm, I'm surprised that you said that your biggest time, and I guess it makes a little bit of sense. It's, it's people kind aren't of... thinking a lot of times people aren't thinking about mm-hmm. it this time of year. Yeah. Um, but at the same, in the same regards, if they've done it before, you would think that they, they oh, would yeah. understand. We, back in Missouri, the shop I worked at, it was, you'd sell three or four bows the day before season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I go hunt with this tonight? I'm like, no. <laughs> well, and if and if we and if we we kind of go uh, go back to the target archery side of things, if you go to somewhere like um, like South Korea, where they do, I mean, that's target archery there. There's no Huge. hunting in South yeah. Korea. The and it's predominantly recurve. I mean, they have compound shooters, and their t- compound teams have actually been growing significantly. Most of them, actually, all of them, for the first like three to four years, I believe is what I read, don't even touch a bow. So you're talking about training for a sport that you don't even get to touch the equipment that you're using to participate in that sport for three years. So what's the theory behind that? So they do a ridiculous amount of form and technique training. So string bows, stretch bands, things of that nature. So they're developing a technique that by the time they put a bow in their hands, it's like it was been there the whole time. Wow. I mean... The, the Kissick Lee, the USA archery coach, he talks a lot about that and a lot about how training goes over there. He, he was he South Korea? Is that where he coached out I of? Or believe so. South Korea I or think. Australia? I don't remember which. I know he's he's from South Korea, I believe. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the training methods are completely different. But we live in a society where 
it's instant gratification. Like, hey, bow hunting season starts next week. Right. I got to get a bow. A natural talent. Yeah. And yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, parents I get, will even yeah. bring their kids in to get their first bow a couple mm-hmm. months away from season. Yeah, I'm a season. month out or a week out. But I mean, and, and I think that also plays into why we've seen such growth in the crossbow industry. But that's a whole nother topic. Not going to complain there. But you're right. Right. That, that's, that's one of the reasons why I predominantly shoot crossbow is because I don't, I don't shoot a ton throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So for me to be able to set up a crossbow and get it ready and feel comfortable with it yeah. doesn't take nearly as long right. as, if, as, if you're, as if I'm shooting a compound. So absolutely. Right. So how, how, often, how often do you guys change equipment? How often are you shooting a new bow year to year? Like, are you are you doing well, are, are you doing that year to year, or do you do you use the same bow, you know, for a number of years before you're switching out? I mean, it depends. On, I think it depends on the on the archer. Um, someone like like Dan, myself, or Ashley, we might have a couple bows that we have in the. I guess you'd call it our lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, they might all serve different purposes. Like, I may have one that I'm setting up for field and 3D another bow that I'm setting up exclusively for indoor target or another bow that I'm setting up exclusively for field archery. I mean, it's, it all depends on, it all depends on the shooter. Now that's not to say that you couldn't have one bow that'll Mm -hmm. do absolutely everything. I mean, one of the biggest growth places that you see is not only just in the women's side, but the bow hunter class, the fact that the NFAA and most organizations have bow hunter classes, you got guys that'll come with their quivers mounted to the side of their bow and they've got their backpack on and they're running out there and they go shoot a course and they're practicing which is fantastic right. it's exactly what you should do right i mean as bow hunters especially in michigan i mean i don't know about missouri i don't know how they do it in missouri but here we all hunt in tree stands and ground blinds mm-hmm. so if you're taking 20 yard shots on the ground standing up on flat level ground and that's the only practice you get all year except for when you go to get your 30 and 40 mark and then you shoot and up in a yeah. tree stand during season. Yeah, and then you're 25 yeah. feet up in yeah. a tree tied Unless you've got in. that new Garmin site that adjusts for the angle. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. Still not everything. Yeah, which still <laughs> right. isn't everything. But but then you also have to have confidence in, in that setup. I mean, Absolutely. that 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 Garmin site, is, as amazing as that thing is, it is still dependent on you doing your job and and having that thing set up properly. It's not foolproof. No, and, and that that's a great I mean you you have to set your equipment up properly. Mm-hmm. You can't just throw it on. You can't you can't just put your twenty pin on and think everything else is gonna right. go okay. It's about spending that time and, and building a relationship, right, with mm-hmm. your with your equipment. So But I think the more time you spend behind a bow, the more time you shoot, the easier the transition's gonna be from from one bow to the next. Yeah. Um I mean, my transition this year from the bow I was shooting last year to this year's model was almost instant. I mean, I, I could have put my old bow away and picked up this one and gone out and shoot it right away. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was that forgiving and that it felt like home. So, I mean, it was it was easy. But, I mean, for someone to maybe put the other bow to go back and forth who doesn't shoot a whole bunch, it could have been a drastic change. Right. But the more you shoot, the more your body feels comfortable with what you're doing the more likely you are to identify, hey, my draw length feels a little short. Hey, my draw length feels long. This poundage feels too light. My holding weight's too light or too heavy. I mean, there's a, so, so many most different people things. Won't feel, most people won't feel the difference in a half an inch where right. we can tell the difference. And it's like, oh, that may be a little off, and it's like an eighth yeah. of an inch off. It's yeah. We shoot enough, we can feel that where most people aren't going to. So what about like the, the other equipment, like your releases? Do you switch... <clears throat> release types i try not to and i know dan's gonna hit me for saying that but i try not to but i mean i shot i shot a hinge style release for a long time and i developed 
a, a method of shooting that release that actually worked very, very well for me. So this is that one year that like, yeah, I, I, I kind of threw the hinge release out because I had to fix certain things and it created a rough part of the first year. And I mean, I pretty much know how every bow hunter feels now that just goes and picks up their bow and tries to go hunting. Cause I tried to pick up a release and go shoot tournament with mm -hmm. it. And, and I struggled. So, but I mean, you've got your release that you've been shooting for how many years? I've got the same stand up and shooting it for seven years now. Seven years. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. yeah. And you I'm the dork like, yeah. who just brought my brand new toy and went, hey, look. <laughs> <laughs> look what I'm going to shoot this year. Also, it's finding something that fits you very well and works mm -hmm. with you very well. Right. Certain ones you can adjust and set a certain way that works better for you than another one. Right. right. My whole it's thing was I borrowed a release from him and it, it felt like home and it was like, oh my gosh, I need my own one of these and I wanted a little heavier. So I ordered that one. It's like, yeah. So. I mean, once you find a release that you can basically marry for the rest of your archery career, that's kind of where it is. And you can carry that over yeah. from yeah. target to, mm -hmm. to yeah. hunting. And I mean, I can use that same release for absolutely everything. Yeah. I can bow hunt with it. I can shoot field, 3D, indoor, everything. I mean, because especially when it comes down to, to shooting a release, that's one of the hardest things for people to, I guess, do properly, in my opinion. I mean, I think you can have a strong bow arm. You can have your draw length nailed right. If you don't operate your release consistently, mm -hmm. it could be a nightmare. I mean, I trust me, I've been there. Because at the beginning of this year, it was <laughs> trying to find out where the heck a thumb peg went on my hand to 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 make a shot go. And then then you learn a lot about your equipment. Yeah. I mean, because I learned, I learned with the bow I'm shooting right now. I have I have the uh, the PSE shoot down. I learned that I can make a really stupid shot that. At the end, I want to punch myself in the head and go, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> but yet the bow will still somehow say, it's okay, don't worry about it, and put the arrow close to where it needs to be or in an acceptable place. But, I mean, if, if I do my job and I've got a shot where it, it breaks and I just go, yeah, that's perfect, it's exactly where it should be. And that, that but, I mean, like this year at Indoor Nationals, I had a couple shots where it was like, you're getting low on the clock and you're like, I, I, I stupid you let it go. you're letting it go yeah. because your your mind takes over and you stop focusing on your process yep. but because of the way i've been used to it and the way i got my equipment set up it's that forgiving that's where we talked about when your big misses become as small as your small misses were when you started right you've gotten that process down and and it's that helps you're you're, you're, ma you're making get of, every everything yeah. mm -hmm. your groups go from this big the more and more you practice they go down to this big so your mistakes are not quite as bad as they were before. So you get into a stressful situation with an animal, you make a mistake where your mm -hmm. mistake used to be this big, now it's yeah. this big, you're still making a lethal shot in the animal. So mm -hmm. what, what's your what's your biggest fail? As like, far as what? As far as when you're target shooting, what's the biggest fail that's occurred? Like is it is it shooting the you, wrong target at Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it before anybody else does. No, what what do you what do you mean? No, that's exactly what okay. I mean. Like what like what what has been your biggest like fail in regards to like in that moment? What have you done wrong? I mean that that's the that's the one thing that I think. It, it, I don't want to say it happens to everybody every year because well, I don't it, think everybody it, shoots it, the wrong target. Yeah. Right, that that's what I'm saying is yeah. I don't think everybody does that, but <laughs> I I would be hard pressed to say that I'm pretty sure everybody does it at least at a local tournament every year, and you kind of hope that before Vegas you you get it out of your way. <laughs> You've done it once your entire career. Mm -hmm. Gosh darn. How many, wait, you said how many times have you done it? I do it once a year. 
Hands down. I do it once a year. But I, even one of the top females oh, in the professional class shot the wrong target yeah. at Indoor Nationals this year. Really? What did, what did she shoot? She shot a, she shot a 295 with, or no, no, sorry, a, uh, yeah, she shot 1X down with wow. a 595. 595 with 119. Toya? Uh, no, uh, Tanya. Tanya. Tanya, Tanya Jensen. Jensen. Yeah. She shot a 595 with 119 out of 120 Xs. So every single arrow she shot was an X. I'm pretty sure, including the one she shot the, she wrong, shot target. the wrong target, which yeah. is, I mean, and she was a good sport about it. You shot with her on day two. Yeah. And she was a good sport oh, about yeah. it. Um, I mean, and that's an expensive trip. She's coming from where, Denmark? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's well, a, sure. Massachusetts. <laughs> well, <laughs> by way of Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean that that's a that's a big deal for her. But I mean that that's probably the biggest like oh did I really just do that moment? And right. I felt bad when I did it in Vegas because I shot somebody else's target who was still clean. What, what kind like, of look do they give you? He was cool. <laughs> we probably couldn't have understood any, each other anyway. He was from Italy. Gotcha. I still like walked over and like I am so, no Sergio did his own thing. No, uh, it was um Frederico uh, Frederico Pagnoni. I can't say his last name. I thought I had it right. Pagnoni. I don't know. Uh, he's a super cool guy. I, I still shot a 10, so I didn't screw his target. I think that that's bad, the one thing that we see a lot, you know, mm-hmm. is that the tightness of the of that community, of that yeah. target community, when you guys are in a competition, um, it's pretty cool, right? I mean, you guys are all there kind of helping each other a little bit. And I mean, there's a competition aspect of it, right? Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, you want to play, you, you want to play, you want to shoot against their best. Yeah, that's right? something right. We've, we've talked about at Lancaster this year. I was getting ready to we all shot we were going down and one of the guys i was shooting against was deaf and he didn't realize we were scoring that in and he goes up to pull his arrows out and i grab him i'm like dude we're scoring he's like holy cow it's like yeah. you want to win but you want to beat someone not because they made a mistake because right yeah you right. you shot better than yeah. they did you're not hoping their string breaks yeah. or anything right. no, like no, that. No, no. like if so you're gonna win you want to win against their if best. you want to if you say if you want to be the best you got to beat the best on right. their best day yeah well, I hate to say that, but when the, one of the cooler things is, as bad as it sounds, but it's not going to sound bad when you finish it, but if if someone does have a mechanical failure, you'll never see a group of people jump on that person faster than you can possibly imagine. To help out. I mean, to help out. I mean, yeah. you'll see bows come out of bow cases. You'll see sights. You'll see releases. I mean, almost every international tournament, someone's bow doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to yeah. put together, uh can't remember what, she won uh, in the Indoor Worlds this year in Yankton. But mm-hmm. she showed up, and her bow didn't show up. So it was yeah. talk about a confidence. A, grabbed a PSE off the rack. We went to AAE and got a blade rest. We went to uh, Lancaster and got everything else she needed. Got ready and got her shooting. And yeah, somebody. I think Lancaster was telling us about that last podcast we had them mm-hmm. on um, about how that's just how it, that's just how it is. Like everybody's there right. to, to to help each other so that you are playing, you know, shooting against the the best that you possibly can. So. That's pretty cool, man. And Lancaster's an awesome way of doing it. So, I mean, they they support both target archery and everything. So, I guess our big message for the whole thing is is don't, just like I always used to say, never let dust settle in your bow. Right. Keep it out. Even your crossbow. You can shoot 3D. It's right. okay. You can't shoot field archery. We don't want you to <laughs> shoot field archery. You'll blast up the targets. And I don't think your crossbow... You shoot Vegas. Why do I feel like you're, you got this little dig right here? <laughs> <laughs> you're right on that line where you want to say something. No, I'm right just there. Hey, uh, they, they, like I said, they had some big payouts at Vegas this year, so this is all you. You yeah. guys are coming for That's, that. No, that you talked about us last. You talked about that mm-hmm. um, last time, and uh, yeah, I think I think we gotta we gotta send me there. Um, I'll go to Vegas on, on company dime. So 
<laughs> he gives a thumbs up, so that's official, I know, you right? got that. Turn that camera around. Get that on camera real quick. So. Yep. But no, good conversation, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, we'll definitely have everybody back again for sure. But uh, thanks for joining us on the Bowhunter Planet podcast, and we will see you next time. Celebrating the rich tradition of bow hunting for over 31 years, Vanguard is proud to be the official optic and hunting pack of Bowhunter Planet. Thanks so much for listening to the Bowhunter Planet podcast online at bowhunterplanet.com with your host, Team BHP. Check us out on Facebook at Bowhunter Planet. We'll catch you next time. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.